0: the stories i'm ellen and i'm sam and And we're just oh shit
1: (laughs) there's more people here i'm so sorry i didn't know how you guys wanted to play no ellen should have waited
2: fine okay we'll have our guest introduce themselves
3: i'm emily (laughs) i'm sorry i'm kelly how long have we been doing this with them never Okay, okay, I'm, I'll take and it. And
2: as Bye. you may have guessed, we're just here to cause chaos. If that intro wasn't evident. <laughs> At least it was I on brand. should have given you instructions <laughs> <Yeah>. before that.
3: <laughs> nice little printout of how things go.
2: Instructions would be the
0: antithesis of this podcast. Fair. I mean, the minimal amount of instructions I gave you guys for theme of this episode, I was pretty proud of.
1: It actually broke me a little bit uh, Mm -hmm. because every time I listened to a true crime podcast case, I was like, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. No, this is the craziest thing I ever heard. No, this. And I finally just had to pick something and let it go. And then literally after I'd done half the research, I heard probably the story I would have picked otherwise. I I told it to Kelly before we started recording. I was like, that shit is
3: nuts. (laughs) (laughs) always happens when you pick something, something better comes along and you're like, well this is my life now that's why
0: i'm not married yet (laughs) (laughs) the only reason (laughs) yeah yeah for the theme of this episode i very hopefully was like give me the craziest story you can find (laughs) and i want to see how you how like that came out i'm very excited i found a story about a foot
2: and i cannot wait to find the worst segue i can (laughs)
3: I mean you can just start blurting it out like Emily. I was gonna say speaking of feet <laughs> I did used to do some foot modeling
1: back in the day if you need that kind of segue. I'm oh, sorry. That's good to know. Casually what? work that into the
0: conversation. Yeah, good job. <laughs> hey, Before we get calm. started on our stories though would you guys like to tell us who you are? Yeah. Why am I starting?
1: Because (laughs) every time I speak, I feel like I'm doing it at the wrong time. So I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. And collectively, we are whining about history, a women's history podcast where we whine about women that you probably haven't heard of, but definitely wish you did. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to cover Marie Curie or Amelia Earhart. We're going like Marsha P. Johnson, Ruth Coker-Burks, Toto Koopman. If none of those names ring a bell for you, then our podcast is
3: for you even if they do ring a bell it might still be for you
1: yeah so we uh we pair fine wine with fine women
3: but are you aware that Amelia Earhart was
2: eaten by coconut crabs I actually heard that theory <laughs> nice yeah I, I mean
3: that or sharks I uh also crabs. heard the
1: theory that she became like a Japanese POW oh, yeah. and was one. executed and... yeah but that one's depressing That is super depressing. I'd actually rather she just crashed into the ocean and died. How
3: is getting eaten by crabs not depressing? Because you're
1: already dead. Like you
3: crashed, you died.
1: That's the natural order of things. She wasn't just
3: like badly mangled and still alive and they're just like eating her slowly. Well, Jesus, Kelly, when you put it that way, (laughs) you're so cynical. She goes back
1: to nature that way. Yeah, like those coconut crabs also deserve to live.
3: We are
0: so happy to have you guys on this show. I know Thank you're you. already <laughs> regretting it, but we're so happy you're here.
3: <laughs> we're, always, we're really
1: happy to be here. We had a ton of fun with you on our show. And uh, oh, I don't remember what episode number that was, but if you go to Whining About history, you'll be able to find it in our most recent October of
0: 2021 122? section. Is it 122? There is a link to it on our Instagram if oh, anyone's looking for it. Yeah. So did you guys bring a story for
1: us? We did. Um, at least we came that prepared. <laughs> Every Everything else, we just kind of left up to chance, including well, the, the intro. But the story we do have for you. So the story we have for you is called Two Bombs, One Survivor. Ooh, okay. So America dropping the atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Japan in 1945. Yes, that is what we are talking about. Big shit, big horrible shit. Oh,
0: I'm ready, Uh, let's go.
1: (laughs) These events undoubtedly changed the world. Even in the midst of a second world war, deadly force of this magnitude had never been witnessed before and hasn't been matched since. In total, the atomic bombs left over 200,000 people dead or injured. And beyond that, the effects of radiation have left countless more suffering from and dying of cancer in the decades since. Every survivor has a story that illustrates the absolute mind-boggling horrors of that day. But one person's survivor story stands out. I love when
2: we start with an absolutely terrible event.
1: Yeah. As like the,
2: where the and Then this we're the like, beginning. let's
1: reverse a little
2: bit,
3: but you yeah. know
1: where we're going. <laughs> I mean, it's like Romeo and Juliet, You know, within like three sentences that those people are gonna die, and yet you keep reading. <laughs>
3: A ah, love story between two children. Oh, God. <laughs> well, technically, like she was 13 and I think he was like 20. So, really, only one child. Yeah, one child that results in like six deaths. Yeah. yeah. Bad. It's not much better. Anyway,
2: it's like when I started with Chernobyl.
3: Yeah. <laughs> anyway. You start with the bad stuff and then it gets better and then it gets bad again.
1: It's like, let me start. Chernobyl. Is that enough an attention catcher for you? Are you engaged? <laughs> All right. So
3: Tsutomu Yamaguchi was born on March 16th, 1960, 75 years before I was born.
1: To the day. To the day. (laughs) Oh, wow. They
3: share a birthday. Yes. 75 years apart. Heck yeah. So he was born in Nagasaki, Japan, and by all accounts, he had an average upbringing and began working as a naval engineer at Mitsubishi heavy industries in the 1930s where he designed oil tankers.
1: I just want to say, I love that you execute his name pretty well. And then Mitsubishi yep. was the one where you're like, Mitsus- I knew fuck. it. I
3: saw it and I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> in 1940, when Japan entered World War II, Mitsubishi worked to manufacture military aircraft. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, um, so you know how I watch King of the Hill constantly? one of the characters cotton hill he's a world war ii vet and he's constantly bitching about like japanese made cars because <laughs> they made the plane that shot his ass down
3: yeah i didn't know that
1: <laughs> yeah no like um i know mitsubishi i don't know about honda or toyota or any of the others but then oh is it the Toyota's American-made, is it, made isn't it is it mercedes yes called toyota or volkswagen they like made stuff for the nazis like one of those yeah. oh yeah volkswagen companies. was a
0: huge nazi thing the beetle which yeah. was like honestly one of my favorite cars was originally oh
1: yeah yes, yes! god i love it became the hi- it went from like nazi to hippie car
0: we
3: just don't Think about <laughs> i mean why do you think fast. we punch people when we see it <laughs> oh my oh, god. god is that what punch buggy is all about <laughs>
0: oh my god now it is
3: yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah okay so resources during this time were scarce and only becoming scarcer, and this put incredible stress on Tsutomu as more tankers became casualties of war. Beyond work-related stress, Japan was no picnic during World War II. The entire country was consumed with pride as part of the spiritual mobilization campaign, but also with the grim realities of war, children would play in, the air, in their air raid gear and pretend to be casualties in an air raid drill. That's, oh, so, that's so. Depressing. That's like back when they did the bomb drills, and they were like, "Everyone, hide under your desk." I oh my god, I hate that with every ounce of my soul. That's so messed god, up. I'm protect you.
1: When I read that, I I was like, "That is the darkest shit I have ever heard in my life." But do you remember being a kid and learning about like a war, and then playing pretend with your with your friends, like, "Oh, we're fighters in the Civil War. We're gonna yeah. fuck up the Confederates," or something like that. <laughs> yeah, you know. And it's like, how do kids? Try to understand something well through play and pretend.
3: Well, like you hear kids playing. Now it's not politically correct, but cowboys and Indians. Oh yeah, yeah. Oof.
2: Do kids play games about the coronavirus? Oh, they will talk to
1: a child in a bit. Yeah
3: there will be eventually. a song like Ring Around the Rosie. Like, it's going to be a whole thing.
1: You better watch out. Better wear your mask. 2020 is going to kick your ass. Yes, Rona's coming to town.
0: By the time our nieces are like playing games in schoolyards, they'll be like coronavirus games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, uh, weird.
1: I am going to teach my nieces that song. Amazing. And she's going to in- infect her, her school
3: oh with <laughs> song and laughter.
2: <laughs> you chose that verb on purpose. I
3: did. I did. <laughs> thought about it. <laughs> so, nearly all production in Japan was geared towards the war. For example, very, barely any textile products were produced for domestic consumption after 1941. Profits were controlled by bureaucrats, which also set production quotas for each industry to keep up with the demand of the war. This meant civilians were working hard and going without. Rationing of food, clothes, bandages, and basic items pushed families to their limits. Pushing civilians to engage in petty crime and steal food in order to survive. In one instance, a rice storage warehouse was bombed in an air raid and citizens flocked to grab what they could from the building's remains.
1: That's like some dystopic shit. Like yeah. uh, this yeah. like house has been- Yeah, that's like something the
3: Hunger
0: Games. Yeah, right. it's, it's
1: been, bl- everyone's running to the cornucopia just to like get as much rice as they can.
0: Same.
3: I don't like that. Yeah. When does this get like fun and crazy? I mean, it's just, I don't, we knew you never said fun <laughs> in your brain. Yeah, it's just crazy. <laughs> and all of this is crazy.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, that's my own fault. Yeah. I'll take it.
3: <laughs> so all of this was taking a physical and emotional toll on Sutemu, who asserted that he, quote, never thought Japan should start a war, end quote. As the war continued, Sutemu's outlook was bleak. He actually thought of honor killing his family with an overdose of sleeping pills. He could never have imagined what would happen next.
1: So things in Japan are already really bleak, but there's still this uh, like nationalist identity of like We are going to fight this war war to the very last person. They are going to have to wipe us off the map for us to surrender. Right. Because no one could have imagined what was coming. Though Satomu was living and working in Nagasaki, he had traveled to Hiroshima for a three-month-long business trip where he was helping to develop a new oil tanker. He'd been working long hours and was just really looking forward to returning home to his wife and infant son in Nagasaki. Oh,
0: God. Yep. Oh, This isn't
1: going to end well. Also, can I just say a three-month work trip? Fuck that shit. <laughs>
0: oh, my God. Yeah, this was like I mean, I before the internet. So I guess if you like needed to get a project done, like you couldn't go home and manage it from there. Yeah. Right. But then you also, had to
3: finish like the whole project. But then yeah. also
0: you there can't go. like
1: video chat with your family. Like you literally just don't see your wife and child for so. three. Three months. Maybe oh. you write some letters and that's it. That's
2: rough. It's so sad. I can barely
1: handle an eight hour work day, much less three months. Oh, I know. I'm like, get me out
3: of here. Oh my God. How is it only 8.15? <laughs> <laughs> that happened the other day where I'm not even joking. Like I was like, I've done so much. And I looked at the clock. I'm like, it's been 45 minutes. <laughs> I got,
1: I got really messed up the other day where my I, I, I ran to get coffee and my car clock read one time because I hadn't changed it with Daylight Savings. Oh, yeah. And then I was like working and I felt like a bunch of time had passed. I was like, it's only been like 30 minutes. What is going? Oh.
3: It had been an hour and 30 <laughs> oh, minutes. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Okay. All week because of Daylight Savings, I've been waking up like stupidly early and yeah. I'm going to bed at like 9 p.m. like a nine-year-old woman. So I've been like having full days before 11. <laughs> I keep looking at my clock and being like, it's lunchtime. And it's like 10, 15.
1: Right. And you're like, I'm so hungry. First of all, I go to bed at eight. So you're not even close <laughs> to being a 90 year old woman. Get on my level. And yeah, I get, I actually, I went to the gym like an hour early uh, on my break this week because I'm just like, I'm so tired. I just, it's not going to happen if I don't go right now. Cause my body thinks it's 1 PM. <laughs> and
3: It needs to go on the treadmill. <laughs> You're so much more productive. If I get tired and I just go take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> it gets dark at like
2: 4.30 yeah, 30. And that's the least sexy thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's
1: terrible. <laughs> that wording. N- NDTF, <laughs> not down to fuck. <laughs> so on August 6th, 1945, uh, it was just supposed to, It was supposed to be his last day in Hiroshima. Oh, no. It was also the day that the American B-29 bomber Enola Gay was scheduled to drop the little boy atomic bomb on the center of the city. Wait, it was
0: his last day? It was literally,
1: he is the cop who's like, I'm two days from retirement and, and then get shot. <laughs> shot in the line of duty. Like, I'm getting so bad. sad.
2: <clears throat> like, Why this did you is- use
1: the most depressing, crazy story? Because it's so full of weird little coincidences and happenstances. It's like, <laughs> it, it actually blew my mind. I'm like, if someone wrote this, I'd be like, you're trying too hard. Like, <laughs> right. this, like is- this is too much. No way. <sighs> At 8.15 a.m., Sutamu was walking towards the docks when the bomb was dropped, only 1.9 miles or three kilometers away. <laughs> and that's, that's so within like the
0: annihilation zone too. Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Tsutomu remembered hearing and seeing the bomber and two small parachutes in the sky before there was a great flash and he that he described as being like, quote, the lightning of a huge magnesium flare, which is, I'm like- Wait a did second. You did you just say magnesium. he remembered? Oh yeah. He remembers seeing this. He Wait. saw it and he didn't go
3: blind? He survived. Yeah, yeah. I I said that. It's called two bombs, one survivor. <laughs> you know I, what? I, I just... also call this his survivor story.
0: <laughs> I wasn't. I remember to hide all that. that, but at the same time, I was like, "There's no way anyone could survive being one mile away from a right. bomb." One point
1: nine, actually. <laughs> If he was 1.8, it would have been all over.
3: (laughs) It should have been all over at 1.9. Yeah, that's well within the kill zone. (laughs) Yeah,
1: just also, I love his example, the lightning of a huge magnesium flare. I'm like, that's got to be an engineering kind of thing. Like other engineers are like, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I'm just like, oh, what? (laughs) (laughs) Having been trained to expect air raids, he dove into a ditch right before the sound of the explosion reached him, rupturing his eardrums. Oof. The shockwave that accompanied the blast flipped Sutamu off the ground and into the air before he landed in a nearby potato patch. Thanks
3: for the thanks. Thank the what potatoes.
1: The I guess potatoes must be really because I'm just like
0: no, every,
3: well, because it's all leaves above ground. Oh, I so was going to say, fairly soft. Uh, the, the potatoes are
0: underground. I'm having some feelings about this. Yeah, yeah. Can, can, can you imagine like
1: seeing someone just be thrown up into the air like that and like. Yeah, recalled, quote, I didn't know what had happened. I think I fainted for a while. When I opened my eyes, everything was dark and I couldn't see much. It was like the start of a film at the cinema before the picture has begun when the blank frames are just flashing up without any sound. And that's because the blast had actually left him temporarily blind and his eardrums have ruptured. So it is black and soundless. Like, That's I'm like, how do you even know you're conscious at that point? <sighs> but even after he did regain his sight, because thank God it did come back pretty quickly, the bright day had been transformed into a dark dystopian landscape. The bomb had kicked up enough dirt and debris to blot out the sun. Ash fell all around Sutemu as he watched the mushroom cloud rising in the sky.
0: How is he alive? Yeah, I literally insane. do not know. Like, he must have so much cancer at
3: this point.
1: He does. Oh, he yeah. absolutely oh. does. <laughs> we actually talk about that later. He is okay.
3: 100% radiation. At this yeah.
1: Point. <laughs> well, and all that stuff that's falling is all like radioactive matter. And it's uh, like after an atomic blast, there'll be something called black rain. And that's all this radioactive debris. It's all it, like mixing with the ash just yes, raining down really on you and it's just it's chock full of that radiation that we all thought was so healthy for us for <laughs> a hot minute in the 20s <laughs> <and> 30s <laughs>
0: uh radium girls Marie <laughs> curry carrying around radium in her pockets
3: right yes
1: <laughs> people just like holding it with their fingers brushing their teeth with it giving it to their children putting it in their chocolate
3: yeah then Ooh. radium was bad like Lots look at these look at me. this
1: chinaware. It glows in the dark. Okay. Here's the thing though. Like, if I had been growing up around the time that oh, radium was really I'm hot, I would have
0: been like Oh, I would have been so my my house the radium. <laughs> Everything I own would be covered in radium.
3: Exactly. That would have been so cool. I would 100 percent been one of those people to try and get a job just so I could go home glowing. Yeah, yeah. A radium <laughs> girl. Yeah, definitely. I'd be dead. Yep. <laughs> or, or jawless, you know.
1: Oh, yeah. No, you'd be super fucked. <laughs> so Sutomu's body had not been spared his face and forearms were covered in radiation burns so like oh, he God. doesn't can't even comprehend that he has just been bathed with radiation it has burned his body despite his injuries Sutomu managed to continue to the shipyard where he had originally been heading because like he's like I I'm I guess how I'm just going to keep going away,
3: like from where he was like how far did he have to travel in there right
1: right i mean it was at was least with the, the ship still distance. there i I don't think it matters. <laughs> He's just like, oh, that's where He's I was like, going He's like, I don't know before. where to go,
2: so. Go to the hospital. That's where you should go. The hospital's probably not there anymore either. Yeah,
1: it's, it's nuts.
2: There just were... head
3: out. Head away from where you saw the, the mushroom cloud. There that's were a really few, the main thing.
1: Like reinforced buildings that the, the skeletons of which survived the blast, like everything around them is completely, it's just ash. But mm-hmm. the skeleton of some of these buildings it's did creepy. incredibly survive. So he gets to the shipyard and he finds his two colleagues who had also survived the blast. So these are the people he was going to meet and they also survived. What? They also probably ducked in some ditches and landed in a potato patch. Like, <laughs> cause they're not that much fr- they're, they're probably about the same amount of, you know, distance away that he was. And the three men hunkered down for the night in an air raid shelter. So, I'm like, you can't even comprehend what's going on around you. They're just like, let's find someplace that's safe and not outside. And just like, let's just take, so, a, take nap. a nap. Ugh. The next day, the three men traveled to the train station, which was rumored to still be operating, which again, shocks me their journey to the train well, station. How
3: did they even hear these rumors? Because there are
1: other survivors like wandering around.
3: And so they're trying to get back to Nagasaki, right?
1: Yes. They're, yes. Well, I think they're at this oh. point
3: just trying to just get, get
1: out, out of, Hiroshima. of Hiroshima. Yeah,
0: let's. But Hiroshima Nagasaki is not the place you want to go at this point.
1: Well, and they haven't. They don't even know what has happened. Like the the only thing that they can really compare this to is an air raid. Well, did they even get an air raid siren for it?
3: I don't I don't know. think so. Because I think Enola Gay, the B twenty nine bomber, was like quieter than the rest of the planes. Well, and he used. says
1: he remembers. hearing Hearing and seeing the plane but no siren
3: yeah and uh, because they there are some speculations that if more people had been able to get underground and get into air raid shelters more people may have survived at least that initial and later died painfully of cancer yeah Mm -hmm. you know um but they wouldn't have been melted true but also like what was the protocol
2: like i imagine there's very few air raids where there's a singular airplane
3: Well, and that's what we were saying is that he recalls hearing the airplane, but he never makes a mention of hearing the air raid siren. Yeah.
1: Their journey to the train station took them through the devastated remains of Hiroshima.
3: And, you know, way more radiation. Yeah. If you're going through the center of it.
1: (laughs) Honestly, at this point, it's like, what's a little more radiation going to hurt? Because you are covered it. You are bathed
0: in it. It's. Yeah. God. You can't get more cancer at this point.
1: And it's not even like they know that's a thing. They're they're just, what else are you supposed to do? Stay in that air raid forever? No, you literally can't.
0: That was probably also full of radiation. Like the second you open that door.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: That radiation amount must have been the equivalent of so many bananas. So many
0: bananas.
3: (laughs) What? (laughs) Are bananas radioactive? Just a little bit. Very little bit. Not very much.
0: It's very, it's very it's apparently bad. a scale you can use to figure out whether or not something how radioactive something is is how
3: many bananas it is Ellen okay this brings, that, that brings a new meaning of banana for scale to that <laughs> sentence because it used to just be people would take pictures and they'd use a banana for like size scale but now apparently it's a radiation measure too
1: how many bananas is an x-ray
2: there's a, I could tell you, but if you want to know how many bananas the elephant's foot in Chernobyl is, it's about, what was it, 68 million?
0: Oh, something like that.
2: my god.
0: But you'd have to eat 68 million bananas in like an hour or something like that to get that amount of radiation of like standing next to it for a second.
1: I feel like you'd OD on potassium before the radiation gets you. That's probably <laughs> true. <laughs> Be more likely one of those uh banana spiders gets you
2: <laughs> Oh, a, a dental x-ray was about 50 bananas.
1: Oh, okay. It, that's
3: more than I thought it would be. <laughs> I, I thought it was an, like earth More I mean, and less.
0: less than I thought Sorry, it would it's be. it's less.
3: I thought it was gonna be like a thousand bananas. Apparently, an airport security x-ray is three and a half banana, two and a half bananas. That's it. Oh wow. Those are way safer than I thought. One what? one day on earth is about a hundred bananas of radiation. <laughs> oh I hate that <laughs>
0: doesn't a human produce like 25 bananas of radiation
3: or something like that I don't know.
0: living I in a concrete, that concrete
3: stone or brick building for a year is 700 bananas what? so we're gonna
1: talk more about radiation <laughs> and how it just destroys people maybe we can wait to talk about how I'm being exposed to this radiation <laughs> and producing it
3: myself they they mentioned chernobyl but they do not mention the atomic bomb they talked about uh fukushima though yep that's up here how many bananas is fukushima
1: okay good news uh smoking gives you more bananas than uh fukushima so
3: their rating is spending an hour two miles from fukushima two months after the accident is a thousand bananas okay a ct scan is a hundred thousand bananas Ooh
0: so in conclusion bananas are radioactive (laughs) you just have to eat a lot of them (laughs) i like this is now a tangent that we've gone on multiple episodes good
1: today i learned You have to pass on that kind of horrifying knowledge because the burden of being the only person that knows it is too much. So Sutomu and his colleagues are wandering through Hiroshima trying to get to this train station that's rumored to still be working. And as they're walking through this fallout, apocalyptic, horrible landscape, they witness the rubble of destroyed buildings fires scattered everywhere and the charred and melted remains of victims lining the streets.
0: Oh god, that's uh. a nightmare.
1: And they're just like like what what can they do? They're just trying to get to this train station and there's nothing you can do except take it all in like
3: you can't are never un- gonna get those sights you, out of your you, you head you though. can't close
1: your eyes you can't unsee it you never know what's like around the next corner and then there's this ultimate feeling of helplessness it's not like i can help that person no they're they're gone
0: i mean i'm sure these guys didn't look much better with like radiation burns <laughs> right? up they their, probably oh look, like they probably my like can you imagine if they like had a
1: little mirror and could look at themselves that like that would probably send me into shock
0: oh i think probably the only reason these men are still moving is because they do not know what they look like
3: <laughs> yeah They maybe look down and they're like, oh, that looks weird. It hurts. (laughs) At one point, the men had to
1: cross a river, uh, but all the bridges were blown out. So they had to (sighs) swim through it. Uh, Not only is that water super radioactive, but it was also covered in a layer of bodies.
0: Oh, I am
1: uncomfortable with this information. Zutamu and his colleagues had to literally swim through a river of bodies. That sounds worse than swimming through a river of peanut butter. (laughs) Well, are you allergic to the peanut butter? No.
3: Where did that come from, Ellen? Yeah, I would say it (laughs) would be really hard to do, but it wouldn't be that terrible.
1: Isn't that a saying? No. I've never heard that. I thought you were, like, speaking from experience or referencing something. I've never
2: heard
3: that. It
0: wasn't a reference. I thought it was a reference. Like the banana thing I
3: like jumped on board for. <laughs> peanut butter thing, we're all just kinda like, What are you talking about? Ellen's
1: just coming up with like home homegrown witty wittyisms. <laughs> like, oh man, that sounds tougher than swimming through a river with peanut butter, I tell you what. And we're all just like,
0: Yep. Yeah. Sure. She's gonna say that in another episode. Yep. And the next time I'm gonna have to
3: jump on board for it. Oh yeah, <laughs> we'll and continue. Uh,
1: I expect that on a mug. Thank you very
3: <laughs> much. That'd be a good mug. <laughs> So when he arrived in Nagasaki on August 8th, Tsutomu made his way to the hospital to get treatment for his injuries. Finally. Doctor. Yeah, right.
1: (laughs) By the way, sorry, we we skipped a line. So I just want to say there are other passengers on this plane who are train, train, planes, trains, and automobiles. Kelly, I tell you what. (laughs) Um, And they're all messed up. And this is an overnight ride. So like he spent one night in a yeah. fallout so zone
3: two days later he's at the Trek hospital
1: through a fallout landscape and now he's got to spend an eye on this tree just like in trying to get other home. people yeah yeah
0: do you and think they made him buy a ticket where I is the hospital hope he, in nagasaki <sighs> so he's not in a good spot
1: okay there was a starbucks after 9 11 that was charging people for water i know those two
0: responders for water yeah
1: <sighs> oh, they get dragged disturbing. so hard on the internet oh, that those they, people can oh, never did. do anything yeah. again yeah
3: like i said when he arrived at the hospital the doctor he saw happened to be a childhood friend of his but the man didn't even recognize him because he was so thoroughly covered in burns he might have also just
1: been really bad with faces i'm like that
3: (laughs) see i'm the opposite i can't remember names for shit but if i like see you and like make a connection i can pick your face out like years yeah i'm the same way It's kind of creepy to other people, but I'm just like, I don't know. I recognize faces. See, my friend's like, where like do that. I know you from? Right. I my friend friend's like that. Either.
1: And it's been awesome because we'll go out to a bar together, you know, in the before times. And we used to run into people from high school all the time who were like, I got Ellie Tarrant. It's been so long. And I'm like, who the fuck are you? And he's like, hey, Brittany. <laughs> like, oh, you're okay. like, oh, okay. And I just got to pretend like I knew who their drunk ass was. <laughs>
3: So when Tsutomu returned home, his family didn't recognize him either. He was all covered in bandages and his own mother accused him of being a ghost. In just a few days, Tsutomu had survived an atomic blast, which had immediately left 80,000 people dead, trekked across a radioactive hellscape, traveled back to his hometown on a train with other people that had survived this radioactive hellscape, received treatment and was finally able to crawl back into his own bed.
0: You know what? This is the craziest story you can find, but I think
1: I know where it's going. I'm glad because I was like, oh, what if this isn't crazy enough? But at the same time, it's like this has only happened twice in human history and this dude survived. Like right. that's insane to me.
0: Yeah, I should have been more specific and said fun, but
3: like that's on me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got to talk about bananas. Bananas
1: <laughs> and rivers of peanut butter.
3: Um, so then on August 9th, Sutomu put us all to shame by dragging himself out of bed to report for work. No. Honestly, the craziest part of the story. The real (laughs) hellscape here is capitalism. As (laughs) always. (laughs) By 11 a.m., he was interrogated by the company director about what had happened in Hiroshima. By now, US President Harry Truman had officially revealed the existence of the atomic bomb claimed responsibility and declared that if japan didn't surrender they could expect quote a rain of ruin from the air the likes of which had never has never been seen on this earth Thank except you, it German. literally was just
1: seen like 10 minutes ago
3: <laughs> yeah so as sutamu struggled to describe the events in hiroshima to his boss truman's promise came true as a great white flash exploded outside Mm. Sutemo instinctively dropped to the floor just seconds before the blast shattered the office windows, causing glass to splinter across the room. I like okay. Every time I get called into the boss's office, I think like I'm
1: getting fired. Like this is this, <laughs> this is would it. Be so much worse. Can you imagine? Like you've been through this incredible trauma. You get called in your boss's office and to I'm like, recount so-
3: that trauma. Yeah, like <laughs> you.
1: Fuck you. You're the one that sent me on a three month work trip to a hellscape. You dick. <laughs> I like I'm I'm all for like taking mental health days and like use your sick time use your PTO but I can't help but feel like oh my god I'm so weak because this guy went into work the next day I right? know the
0: fact that he went to work the next day makes me
1: sad mm-hmm. it, it, it does I, it kind of makes me think like did he just need something to be normal right maybe that mm-hmm. makes some sense
2: he should have spent more time with his infant child yeah
3: right I mean he probably couldn't he's covered in burns i bet holding oh. him hurt like <laughs> just lay next to him just yeah like, just yeah infants just sleep a
0: lot so just right. like go like put it in your bed <laughs> have a nice day
2: yeah
1: just i would love to know more about his thought process and that because yeah.
3: of why he went to work i agree I've
1: i've had bosses want me to come into work in unsafe conditions but this is just fucking ridiculous right
2: is it rude to call a bomb survivor a bootlicker maybe a little
3: (laughs) just gonna continue now (laughs) so suju recalled thinking that he said quote i thought the mushroom cloud had followed me from hiroshima (laughs) oh my (laughs) god that's so traumatic (laughs) yeah the second bomb which was called the fat man was even more powerful than little boy fortunately for Sutemu, the office building's reinforced stairwell, combined with Nagasaki's hilly to- topography, helped to cushion some of the blasts that hit the office. However, his bandages were blown clean off and another oh. wave of dangerous radiation swept over him. But otherwise, he actually escaped the blast with pretty minor injuries. What just about in his Hiroshima. infant, child, and
0: wife, though?
3: Yeah, we're getting there. Uh, oh. Just like in Hiroshima, Sutumu was only about two miles away, three kilometers, from ground zero. And after the second blast, all he could think about were his wife and child and were they alive or not. Because
1: now they're in the same place he is when this thing is happening.
3: He rushed home through the apocalyptic remains of Nagasaki, unsure of what he would find. Tsutamu found his home reduced to rubble, but his wife and child had not been inside. Oh, thank God. Tsutamu's wife had been out with their son shopping for burn ointment for her husband's injuries (gasps) and had managed to take refuge in a tunnel, only sustaining superficial injuries, though both were exposed to deadly radiation. That is the best news I've ever heard. (laughs) Right? Yeah. (laughs) Had they not been out shopping for ointment for Tsutamu, they would have likely been crushed under the collapsing building that was their home.
1: So that's another weird, like, coincidental coincidental twist right in they the just story. happened
3: to be out shopping because
1: he had survived the first bombing they survived the, the second right otherwise they, they would have been home and just crushed Whoa. like wow. that, blo- that blows my mind like
0: oh so like imagine being that family you heard about this like terrible terrible thing that happened in Hiroshima you're like my husband father son was in hiroshima for a work trip like he's probably gone and they'd have no way of figuring this out or calling him and then he just shows up he just covered shows in- up, <laughs> yeah
3: like hey guys i'm home yeah his mom's like fuck no you ain't you're a <laughs> ghost you're a literal ghost get out like cuz he's also mangled
0: oh, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: covered in bandages like i i'd be like there's no way you're actually alive right now like how but then, like you're you're trying to cope. So first of all, you're living in a country that is just being, you know, ravaged by war. You are going without. It's it's like it's it's a tough place to be a civil civilian. Right.
3: But you're also still like, yes, Japan, my home country. Yeah, like-
1: you're you're trying to make the best of it. And then this incredible event that you can't that you have no concept for happens where your loved one is. So you're trying to grapple with oh my God, what is happening in my country? Oh my God, where is my husband? And then he comes back and you're like, I'm just going to go get some burn ointment. I'm just going to try to control the things I can. And it happens again. Like <laughs> I hate it so much. It's so insane to me. Like I know half the story is the crazy part is that we dropped two atomic bombs within <laughs> days of each other. Part, but-, <laughs> still. but Sutamu's ordeal was far from over. No. there was not a third bomb history tells us <laughs> oh, there was thank not God. a third bomb. I'm just gonna, i we don't know that i don't Spoiler know if anyone needs to be told that right now but there was not a third atomic bomb <laughs> within just three days tsutamu had been twice hit with massive amounts of radiation his family retreated to a bomb shelter with other survivors where tsutamu began to succumb to radiation poisoning yeah his hair fell out, his Ooh. injuries became gangrenous. Cause when you're like covered yeah. in radiation, like you won't heal, your body yeah. will not heal. Um, I You guys talked about Chernobyl. I think there were like survivors thought, yeah. where they were bandaged for years because those wounds just would not heal. He suffered from severe vomiting too, which like, oh, I I hate vomiting. It's such an awful feeling. I can't imagine just vomiting over and over and you have nothing. He's, there's no way he has anything in his body. No, you no. Know? Right. Sutemu was sure he was gonna die. Uh, Yeah,
0: I'm still sure he's gonna die. I (laughs) would
1: almost kind
3: of hope I die. I'm like, I'm done. I'm I'm super over this. This is like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, wife and child, but (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) Yeah, like
0: I have vomited for like three or four days straight before because I had like I had E. coli at one point. And, like, you kind of want to die a little bit on the third or fourth day. I have wanted to
1: die from being sick from less. Right. Like, honestly, when you get really sick, you're like, ah, if someone just put a bullet in my brain right now, I wouldn't even stop them. Well,
3: like, <laughs> think about how, like, when you have been, like, dry heaving or throwing up for, like, a long time, how, like, sore you get. And I'm yeah, like, imagine I that, in, but you're already in covered <laughs> in <laughs> burns. Yeah. Like, I'm like, that just has to be the worst thing.
0: I, I can't. I'm just, I'm trying to equate this to when I had E. coli, which is probably the worst I've ever felt in my life, and I can't even, like, comprehend it. Right. Side note, when
2: Sam first told me about the time she had E. coli, she got E. coli and Ebola <laughs> confused, I oh, and no. I spent the entire
1: conversation just being like, "What? you had Ebola. <laughs> Please tell me you were in the same room, and that <laughs> she- she starts on yeah. you <laughs> immediately.
3: She starts slowly backing toward the she door She takes
1: out a bloody rag and like coughs into it. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm so much better.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh
0: no, I Ellen will never let me forget that I got those two confused. Oh my god. it's only a slight traumatized difference.
1: me. I remember I worked at a daycare when uh the most recent like Ebola scare happened, and I I use the term scare loosely because for us, I would say it was a scare, but it was definitely a serious problem in like Sierra Leone that they were contending with. Mm -hmm. And we were supposed to like casually question parents. Like I worked at a backup (laughs) center. Was casually like question parents like to see if they had been out of the country anytime recently and like oh hey have you been on any cool trips you know maybe
3: have like, you flown internationally
1: have you been to, like Africa recently you know and like we, we got this documentation what we were supposed to do I'm like I'm not fucking doing this <laughs> like, are you kidding me I feel
0: like at that point it's less sketchy to just be like you know you've been to Africa recently
1: right? <laughs> <laughs> hey honey, do you got Ebola? Because if you do, I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm gonna have to ask you to leave. <laughs> <laughs> any blood cut out of any orifices recently? Yeah, it was, it was really, it was really weird. And now in the age of COVID, like that same daycare is very like, they'll, okay, when was the last time you were tested? Have you been exposed? Like they'll ask you, but with Ebola, it was like, they were trying not to freak out, but at the same time, like just freak out a little bit. We <laughs> <Right. laughs> were so innocent. Hmm. I actually, I, when COVID first, uh, started happening, I, I equated it to that. I was like, it's just going to be another Ebola thing. Like maybe we'll have a few cases in the United States, but it's not going to be that big of a deal. And like with everything
0: I was wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Then the world ended.
1: Actually the pandemic is my fault because I didn't take it like seriously Seriously? because I didn't
0: overreact. (laughs) Mm. No, I blame my sister. I do. Oh, I blame Ellen's sister too.
2: Yeah. So two days before the pandemic, Allison comes home and says, "I hate everyone at school, and I never want to see them again." And then there was a worldwide pandemic, and she never saw them again. So she might be a
0: witch. Yeah, she was odd a senior in high parents. school. Yeah, Plus the rest like, of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: insane. Oh my god. She's gosh. probably like, yes.
0: <laughs> it did
1: work out for her you remember that people were like i mean for years leading up to the pandemic we're making like snide posts on social media of like the world needs another pandemic to like weed out oh, yes i'm like no
3: because
1: it don't really care who you like, are yeah, like, or, like they
3: don't know your iq or how dumb you are yeah they
1: don't care about your political beliefs or like if you're a racist or whatever like well, they, the guess, i guess in a, a way good. it
3: does weed them out because they're the ones that like go out and do shit and don't listen and don't yeah, get the vaccine oh, still get it, exactly. you know like they can transmit it to the people that are being safe sorry
1: what were we doing we were talking about some atomic bombs over here like some right? real depressing shit yeah, yeah you know what though Let's uh, get back to that at least we all have each other
3: <laughs> digitally
1: so on, on august 15th Six days after Nagasaki was devastated, Emperor Hirohito announced to the na- the nation that Japan had surrendered. And this was an unconditional surrender, which was like really bonkers at the time because Japan had this mentality of like to the last Japanese person. We're
0: going we're going. I hard. mean, I feel like after two atomic bombs, it's like almost irresponsible not to.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And th- so this may have come to a shock to some people listening, uh, during the war, Japanese had a philosophy of unconditional.
3: I don't think unconditional surrender. Sorry, that was
1: not what I was trying to say. (laughs) Let me. um,
2: But like, wasn't his like surrender announcement, like the weakest thing anyone's ever heard?
1: He was like, the war is not going well. (laughs) Yeah, it's I mean, I I feel like almost Anything that you can say pales in comparison to the reality because it's it's gotten this bad, and now there have been two atomic bombs dropped on your country, and you have to kind of backpedal on this nationalist fervor of it, like we're going down to the very last Japanese citizen to we're surrendering and we have no terms, and now our country country is going to be occupied by the enemy that we have been so fervently demonizing. Not that we didn't demonize the Japanese too, but you know what I mean. Like it's 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 a one hell of a one eighty. But it's like before that, you know, death uh, and devastation on the scale were just totally inconceivable.
0: I mean, it's the same way that, like, warfare was really noble before World War One, because before yep. World War One, you had to, like, be up and close and personal with someone to kill them, and then, like, machine guns became a thing, and everyone was like, oh, no, war sucks. Yeah.
2: It yeah. was
3: terrible.
2: Back The in war the day, to end our war was not, not a fun one.
3: No. And it didn't end all wars. Yeah. like, like Exactly. That was, that was a bad misnomer there. Like, don't don't name it that if it's not true. It just it great totally war. failed
1: its mission statement. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the day, battles used to almost be scheduled because you kind of like knew when you were going to encounter the enemy. It's like, okay, everyone hunker down for the night. We're going to go to war tomorrow and like yeah. have our
0: battle. Yeah, they were like really formal. You'd like line up and like face each oh, yeah. other.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if you look at like the Civil War, like it was very almost gentlemanly. Cause yeah, like <laughs> they would both get to the battlefield and then they'd be like, we'll fight in the morning, guys. Like, <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, that, that doesn't take away the horrors because it's, it's obviously all awful, but there's actually a, uh, a war journalist and he's got a really interesting YouTube video that my boyfriend who's a veteran showed me. And it was talking about the evolution of war and how it became a lot more chaotic and isolated. For example, in world war one, you're in the trenches and shit might come and blow you up at literally any time, or you're out in the field and you don't see another person for, you know, days at a time. And death is always there instead of oh we're in camp we're fine we go to battle tomorrow right and how that has impacted the levels of trauma that people experience who have gone to war and it actually makes it worse
3: especially like when snipers started playing (sighs) heavily heavily into wars there's just this constant threat that there's the reason when people come home with ptsd that that's part of it is that they're like hyper vigilant it's just When you're in a war and you're like, you know, there could be an enemy sniper and I would never fucking see them. Yeah. It's and like, I could just I would just be dead.
1: Death is constantly lingering over your shoulder.
2: There was a thing in World War II where like they would just have their camps and snipers would be watching them. And it was code to not salute your a superior officer. Yeah, yeah so superior they would officer. The officers. Because yeah. if you did,
1: they would die immediately. Wow. Yeah, that's insane. Sutemu remembered hearing this bra- this radio broadcast announcing Japan's surrender and recalled, quote, I had no feeling about it. I, was, <laughs> I wouldn't either. Did he have more feeling?
0: Glad.
1: <laughs> I, I was going to say, like, did you have feeling anywhere other than just absolute terror and pain? I was seriously ill with a fever, eating almost nothing, hardly even drinking. I thought that I was about to cross to the other side. He's like, I'm literally dying right now. I do not give a shit what the country is doing. And right. he didn't even think sure. that Japan should go to war in the first place. So he's like, I I'm, I'm oh." which honestly I would probably feel that way too. Like what a, what an incredible historic moment to witness. And he's like, I'm way too sick to care. Right. Yeah. So, while many who survived the initial blast in Hiroshima and Nagasaki would die from radiation exposure. Sutomo miraculously survived. How? Survivors- yeah, that's impressive. Because he is the baddest bitch ever. Like... <laughs> Actually, I, he, he talks about why he survived. He he talks about it a little, and it's very uh, it's very interesting. Survivors of the atomic bombs not only had to contend with the horrific injuries and trauma, but also discrimination by their countrymen because we've already we're already dealing with this societal destruction and physical ailments and mental trauma let's just throw in some discrimination that everyone's just what were they discriminating
0: up. them against like oh you're so mingled and burned from a fucking atomic bomb actually yeah, yeah that was it yeah
2: they <laughs> are <laughs> like so, you're a drain on the resources
1: it was actually stupider somehow oh, even dumber so known as hibakusha or person affected by a bomb oh. survivors of the bombings became outcasts Others feared the effects of radiation exposure and didn't understand that they couldn't catch the victim's radiation. So these people, they they were almost being viewed as like walking radioactive time bombs. Like the AIDS crisis. Very much like that. People didn't understand uh, like how you could be exposed to radiation and how you couldn't be and like that these people were not a threat to you. Hibakusha were denied housing, employment opportunities and had limited marital proposals. Hmm. The discrimination extended to their children also as people thought the radiation sickness could be hereditary. What? This led to generations of social and economic discrimination. And actually I I didn't put this in the notes but I was reading. They've done studies and there have been there there is no evidence that children of people who have been exposed to high yeah. levels of radiation have any higher risk of congenital problems.
3: Really? I thought that they, you know, they did. Do have a higher risk of though PTSD. There is a thing called generational PTSD and they see yes. it a lot of times with like African-Americans. And if they had like, uh, ancestors that were slaves, they'll still have like, so They might not have congenital things, but they'll have mind things. Well, and I've read that Mm -hmm. about a lot of like different anxieties. They did a test on mice
1: where they trained these mice to be afraid of the smell of like lilacs or something, and then mice like three generations down who had never been exposed to the smell reacted in fear. It's
3: insane. I just watched a video on it the other day. It's crazy. Also, did his wife and young son survive? They did. Okay. I do. I do. Th- this is a cold oh. read for me. She did all the notes. So I'm like,
1: Kel- Kelly is also sitting here like, so did he die? Like, <laughs> I'm just, how is this man not dead? I know. I, it totally blows my mind. It, it gets crazier. How? So because many survivors suffered radiation burns. It would be easy to tell who was a or and who wasn't. So it's not like you just be like, no, I totally wasn't there. And I definitely don't wake up screaming because I see a white flash in the middle of the night. No, I definitely wasn't. But like some people, you'll see them and they almost they have like patterns of their clothing burned oh. onto them. How, but like, how would you tell their children because like, like you, the word gets around, you know, who okay. someone's parent is. And if you know they're a hibakusha, then the child by association is. It's terrible. Survivors and their families desperately tried to hide their survivor status. And I can only imagine how this collective repression affected survivors emotionally. Oh, yeah. Because you experienced well. this trauma, you have somehow survived, and now you can't talk about it or your life might literally be ruined. You won't be able to find a place to live or work and your kids will be outcasts. Because you were bold enough to survive. Like, recovery would not come quickly for Sutomu. He was permanently deaf in his left ear from the Hiroshima bomb. And his daughter, uh, one of his daughters, who actually wasn't born until the 1950s. So, after these bombings, said that her father was constantly covered in bandages until she was like 12 years old. So, over a decade later, he
3: was. After this? Yeah, that's shocking. He
1: had two girls and they were both perfectly healthy. I know, I'm like, how is he not
3: sterile? Yeah, that's... Also, his and wife got exposed to so that much steroids. radiation. You know, like How are her eggs still any good? They put like lead over you so yeah. you don't get the radiation. Yeah. This guy was two miles from two atomic bombs, and he. So was his in. wife in all her things.
1: There is something about this man that I am convinced he's like genetically superior. So,
3: like there, he's clearly the X Man gene. Like I hope they catch like, some of his DNA somewhere or something. Huh. If I were like the way I'm thinking about it, I'm like. I would
0: want his kids to marry my kids because those kids yeah. would have whatever that gene is.
3: Yeah,
1: they're clearly like resilient AF.
3: Yeah. That's insane.
2: Yeah, you got a little deal with a little bit of generational PTSD, but. You
3: know, you got- it's fine. <laughs> so after he did recover, Tsutomu worked as a translator for the U.S. Armed Forces after they started occupying Japan. He also worked. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I think at that point he's just like, I'm alive and it's something to do. Well, I mean, he needed work. I was saying they probably didn't discriminate against him.
1: Well, they oh, needed people, like, that like spoke they're the to people
3: who did that to him. I know. He also worked as a teacher and eventually returned to engineering at Mitsubishi. He didn't get fired, did he? Apparently not. I feel like that that's gotta be against some kind of workers rights law like right you like can't... you got blown up while in a meeting with your boss well okay
1: here's the thing the mitsubishi building and, and like everyone in that building also got soaked in radiation you it's like you can't fire everyone you don't have a company anymore right
3: they're all just outcast together but he did like we said we mentioned he had the other daughter and he did have another child with his wife as well which is insane
0: how were her eggs still good? How is his anything still good? How is
3: that physically super possible? Humans. Yeah. They are literally
1: superhumans at this point.
3: Like many Hivakusha, Sutomu struggled with the trauma of what he had witnessed a devastated landscape, swimming through a river of bodies, perhaps even seeing nuclear shadows, which captured the final moments of life before it was snuffed out. He Mm -hmm. coped by writing poetry, and it wouldn't be until the 2000s that Tsutamu spoke publicly about his experiences. He published a memoir. I didn't realize you were going to have to read that.
1: I could not find an English translation.
3: Ikasari Teru Inochi.
1: Ikasari teru Inochi. I don't know what that I means I could not find an English translation of this which I feel like was on purpose because we in the United States I don't think we really like to talk no we don't. about the atomic bomb and like how bad it really
3: was um so no. yes this memoir was about his experiences surviving the bombs okay he also would go on to become a fierce anti-atomic weapons activist makes, yeah, makes complete sense <laughs> And in 2006, Tsutomu would speak at in New York um, about or before the United Nations about the dangers of atomic weapons. He said, quote, having experienced atomic bombings twice and survived, it is my destiny to talk about it.
1: And that's kind of him being like, this is why I survived, because I needed someone needed to tell this story. Someone needed to talk about it. Who was there? And he was very much there. Like
0: he he couldn't be more there. His two friends he traveled from Hiroshima to Nagasaki with, did they survive?
1: They did.
3: It's it's what? literally the next paragraph. <laughs> I, mean,
1: I was like, Sam is on top of this? <laughs> A common misconception about Tsuchimu's story is that he is the only person to su- survive both atomic bombings, but as Sam... Astutely pointed out that is super not true. His colleagues who he found in Hiroshima and traveled back to Nagasaki with also were in the Mitsubishi office building with him. They went to work too.
3: (laughs) Work. I mean, okay, you do have to like the Japanese work ethic. That is how they are, though. Like they're they have a super strong work ethic. So, like, I feel like we shouldn't be surprised, but we are. But I'm so surprised. it, It almost seems like
1: like a, a a joke someone would make about oh, a stereotype yeah. though like that is but they actually went
2: that's to that's
3: insane is it
2: racist to call a whole country bootlickers
3: yes oh. yes oh okay yeah
1: <laughs> so i it, didn't
3: even hesitate on that one yeah. yes. in to total
1: know. about 165 people hold the distinction of surviving both atomic bombings however Sutomo was so many dual survivor or niju hibakusha or twice bombed person <laughs> it sounds way less elegant in english just because
0: he's
1: the only person to be officially recognized by the japanese government as having survived both so the japanese government kind of like went through and took uh took record of all the survivors and like okay which bomb did you survive and originally he was just acknowledged <laughs> as having survived the bombing in nagasaki and that's probably because he left hiroshima so quickly he's like i'm i'm out and he originally not wanted the dual recognition, but as he began to accept his unique position, he fought for recognition, which was given to him in 2009. Because like he said, like, I survived both bombings it is my destiny. Is to he still alive? Was he twice as discriminated? Maybe. Probably. Like, it sounds like he did. He, he had a pretty decent life. Like all things considered, you know, he had more children with his wife. He went back to work. He coped with his trauma through writing and eventually was able to speak about it publicly and then became an advocate. Like for someone who survived two horrific, mind-blowing events, I feel like he's turned out pretty well. Yeah, damn. There is actually a documentary that was released in 2006 called Twice Survived, the doubly atomic bombed of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, which features Tsutomu and the other Niju Hibakusha. And that, that's where we get like the number 165 because they talk about those people. But mm. like, like that also blows my mind. Like, I'm sorry, there was more than like five people that were there for both.
3: 165 people. That's so many
0: more people than I would have expected you to say.
3: Both of these like, well, it's crazy that once Japan, in a million year events. It's insane that Japan only recognizes one of them officially.
1: Yeah. And I think it's because he was like, hey, I was there. Could you please recognize me? I think like everyone he actually else is stood like, up no. for
3: himself. Yeah. Else yeah. Like, mm. Or maybe they, they died before.
1: <laughs> or the, you know, like you know he, became an, about. he became an advocate. And I'm sure it was very important for him to have that like official recognition from the Japanese government. And he was able to like use that to further his message. But also like you fucking survived two atomic bombs. I would also want oh, governmental yeah. recognition. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want a medal.
2: You shouldn't
3: have to fight for it. I better get something out of this. Right. So up until his death, Sutomu advocated for nuclear disembarment. He said, the reason that I hate the atomic bomb is because of what it does to the dignity of human beings. I can't understand why the world cannot see the agony of the, of nuclear bombs. How can they keep developing these weapons?
1: So his position is no one should have nuclear n- I yeah, agree with like like, yeah. nuclear yes. weapons, which I completely understand. Also, I think people who have witnessed them firsthand, uh, their opinions hold a
3: lot more weight than anyone else's. just going to say. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So Sutomu's wife, who had been exposed to radioactive black rain after the Nagasaki bombing, died in 2008 of kidney and liver cancer. Sutemu himself suffered from cataracts, leukemia, and stomach cater, stomach cater,
0: <laughs> stomach, stomach
3: cancer related to radiation exposure. In 2009, Sutemu was told his stomach cancer was terminal and he died on January 4th, 2010 at 93 years old. Oh my God. What? He
0: lived so long.
1: I know three years old. He like, was like, yeah, the radiation eventually
3: killed him, but 93 fucking years old. Like that's actually like about what life expectancy for an average male is right now actually that might be longer i think it is
0: i think the average life expectancy is like like 85 85.
3: yeah you know how like they kept
1: einstein's brain because they're like we want to unlock the secret of his genius can we unlock the secret of this man's ability to survive (laughs) Survive. yeah
3: (laughs) like they kept oh god they kept one woman's i can't think what her name is right now like blood because she like she ended up being like the key to henrietta Lacks. yeah yeah she ended up being the key to making like a vaccine so i'm like yeah clearly we should have kept his dna she has the the immortal cells have you mm-hmm. you guys seen the 100 no no
0: <laughs> stop so that they have a radiation treatment that like makes your blood turn black and i'm like this guy had the black blood the night blood mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude, he
1: might have. And yeah. Apparently it was working very well. Yeah, for him. Apparently I like that. That just blows my mind because uh, as far as like life, ex- the fact that he survived both bombings, nuts. The fact that he survived to be 93 years old after being doubly dosed with lethal levels of radiation, survived the radiation sickness
0: is yeah. It's absurd. Like, like this man I'm, survived the radiation sickness he had more children yeah like we're healthy insane <laughs> and lived to 93 <laughs> i can't and then he, even
1: his wife only died in 2008 yeah like the reason that is so crazy because other survivors were not fortunate enough to live that long oh, that was no. that's totally crazy notably sadako sasaki was only two years old when the atomic bomb was dropped in hiroshima she was blown out of the window of her home (gasps) where her mother miraculously found her largely unharmed like her baby gets
3: insane blown
1: out the window and my in this woman's like my baby's dead and she's just like it's insane that the the mom and the baby survived though so as her mother fled with Sasaki in her arms, they were caught in black rain, which oh. as I mentioned is like radioactive debris falling down from the sky and it's horrifying. And they received significant radiation exposure. It wasn't until 1954 that Sasaki was diagnosed with leukemia, which had become known as atomic bomb disease because it was very common for people oh, who had been exposed oh. to the radiation to develop it. And she died at only 12 years old.
3: So I, I a Take away from this besides that's super depressing. <laughs> is that if you ever end up in an atomic bomb situation and you're somewhere that you're still like inside, don't go outside for a while. Uh, you yeah? don't know what to do though. That's why we're telling people okay. now, if something happens, wait to go outside because there's black rain. And I think it lasts like honestly, like a week or two. Yeah. That
1: radiation it's, it's everywhere regardless. Yeah.
3: But still you're going to get less of it if it's not in the air.
1: So legend said that if someone folds a thousand paper cranes, they can make a wish. And Sasaki tried to do this. And contrary to popular belief, she actually exceeded the goal by 300 cranes. Wow. The story is preserved in the novelization of her, of her life, Sadako and the thousand paper cranes, uh, in an exhibit in the Hiroshima peace Memorial museum and in her brother's book called the complete story of Sadako Sasaki. So I actually remember reading that book, the novelization when I was in middle school. And yeah, it was always that it was like her and her classmates were making the mm-hmm. cranes and I'm like how did this whole entire class of kids not be able to fold a thousand paper cranes <laughs> no she folded uh like 1300 and the it idea was if dr- she folded a thousand
3: or... but the idea
1: was if she folded a thousand she might be able to make a wish to live but obviously oh, that's to that so happen. yeah she she doesn't even remember this happening Aww. probably and it killed her when she's 12 years old Oh, I hate it. Tsutamu was one of a small group of individuals who witnessed and survived both atomic bombs, events that the world hadn't before and hasn't witnessed since. He bore Thank witness God. to the, hor- yeah, right? Like <laughs> knock on wood, everyone just like say a wish, make a prayer, whatever. He bore witness to the horrors and used his unique position as a dual survivor to advocate for peace and atomic disarmament. Sutemu saw this as his duty. I want to end this with a quote from Sutemu from after he was officially acknowledged as a dual survivor of both bombings, and I feel like this really encapsulates Kyle kind of what he's about. My double radiation exposure is now an official government record. It can tell the younger generation the horrifying history of the atomic bombings, even after I die, and that is the story Ooh, of wow. Sutemu Yamaguchi, who survived both atomic bombs yeah. and live to be 93 goddamn years old
0: <laughs> I, that that was a crazy
1: story to work the next day like <laughs> i don't know what part of this story made me go what the
0: fuck the most yep that that was crazy you you won
3: okay they completed cool.
1: the, assignment.
0: <laughs> I like, the assignment i was like the assignment i don't know if this
1: story's crazy enough
3: i next time we'll be much more specific but <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be much more specific maybe just say like make it happy
1: yeah <laughs> You're trying to find a happier
2: story. So, you know what else has a documentary that starts with a traumatic event that uh, begins with a singular
0: plane flying? You know what? That's not a bad transition, Ellen. I know, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> what? The story is in a documentary called Finders Keepers, and it involves two men fighting
0: over a foot. <laughs> A human is foot. this two
1: bombs, one survivor. Yours is two men, two men one, one foot. foot.
0: <laughs> yeah. I really want to make a two girls, one cup reference yep. right
3: now. No, 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 Sam.
1: Four girls, one podcast. <laughs> this is yeah. a classy
3: podcast. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I think we're on the wrong podcast then.
2: <laughs> All right. Imagine it. 2004. A young rich kid named John Wood and his father are in a plane crash. This is very bad. And the father is dead and poor john has to have his leg amputated so he's admittedly reasonably pretty upset about this fair
3: how, yeah. how
1: old is he he's a grown man okay well i'd also be angsty yeah i
0: wouldn't want no yeah. you didn't look up their ages ellen is that relevant
1: also, I love that uh, ours was supposed to be the depressing one. You're like, father
0: and son in a plane crash. Father, father dies. dies. The son, the son has like leg amputated within oh, no. two sentences. I <laughs> guess fixation is always depressing. It's usually some awful way I could die. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So Tom
2: is like, I must create a memorial for my father. So he decides that the best way to do that is to get his amputated leg as a shrine.
0: Like the one that came off of the son, not the father.
2: Yeah, he decides that his own amputated leg should be turned into a shrine for his father.
3: These aren't why? baby so, booties. So you what? can't he, bronze it. I was going to say, what? Is he going to like taxidermy his own leg? Oh, so, like, also, why? <laughs> like, why would that I be a lie, tribute to your father?
2: You're asking good Especially questions. Him. <laughs> I'm not in John's head
1: i don't know if i want to be
2: so he's like hey hospital can i have my amputated leg no
3: <laughs> i wonder how often they get asked that probably all the time yeah
2: <laughs> and he's expecting like some bones but no he got it they gave it to him they gave I mean, him like the whole leg with the muscle and the I mean yeah skin.
3: If, if it had just recently been amputated like it's not like they like cut your leg off and then just go we're gonna strip it down to the bones no. I would assume they just immediately throw it in medical waste yeah yeah and that's what I'm saying he must have asked like immediately so I don't care that's not how this that's not how any of this works <laughs> excuse me which one of us works in a hospital
1: i'm sorry kelly tell us about your leg amputation trophy stories yeah right you don't have any either
2: all right so he wants to skin the leg for some goddamn reason
3: okay but that doesn't legal. work
2: it's his own leg you can
3: do whatever you want with your own leg he wants on like that. He wants to skin it. And all of this is somehow a memorial for his dead father. OK, this guy yes. clearly has something wrong. with. Him. I'm I'm trying to be understanding because trauma presents in a
1: lot of really unique, interesting and sometimes horrifying. But, like, but I'm having a really hard time. Like, but, like why who, was no
0: one putting him in therapy yet? Who, right? Yeah. Who, refi- who was
1: who was the doctor that was like,
3: this yeah, man, we'll get you your leg instead of sending you to the psych ward. This man Where is, is lost he? his his leg mom. And like his, his mom father, should be here.
1: And he's asking for his leg. <laughs> I don't think we need a psych consult. I think <laughs> we're skipping the
0: leg. It's fine. This seems like a healthy coping mechanism. Like, where's his mom to tell
3: him that That's he needs true. therapy? <laughs> or like a wife, girlfriend, really just anyone other than himself. <laughs> like he just needs <sighs> a singular woman in his life right now. <laughs>
2: that's unfortunate because his brother was like hey man maybe don't but you know that <laughs> didn't work brother. i mean it's a good brother but clearly he didn't try hard enough
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> after he realizes that skinning it isn't gonna work he decides to mummify the leg i mean you know it's actually much easier than you think it, it yeah. is yeah
0: You've got to
3: put it in salt for a few days. Yeah, it's salt and then you wrap it in ba- or rewrap it in bandages and stick it in salt and yeah. basically just make jerky. There's not enough salt and sage in the world to make any of this okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think people should do it. We're just saying it's really easy to mummify stuff. Yeah. <laughs>
2: so to mummify it the leg ends up getting put in a barbecue grill which what? is also <laughs> yeah. Is he smoking it? Don't oh,
3: no. know. He's smoking weird. something,
2: <laughs> and the barbecue grill is in a storage locker.
1: Okay,
0: nothing's not happening in assault. storage
1: lockers. Someone's Nothing.
0: gonna think Someone's gonna. It's serial killer. <laughs> it's also not a bucket of salt, and therefore not
3: how mummifying works. Yeah, what is what is this plan? Is he just like okay? This this grill is gonna act like a sarcophagus. Well, you could.
1: Okay, I kind of get the logic bear with me he's trying to dry it out because you know like those uh those mummies like that get trapped in the desert they get dried out and mummify
0: is the barbecue on is there anything
2: drier than a barbecue grill my vagina right now that was so
0: inappropriate I (laughs) I loved it (laughs) anyway am I winning craziest story yet is the barbecue on like is it on a really low heat because that might work no it's
2: I'm assuming it's turned off because it's in a storage shed then I stand by this. What what does Martha
1: Stewart have to say about this? She would be the one to know.
3: You only win craziest story because we have so many questions (laughs) and you don't have the answers. I think
0: that is what's not helped. Like we had a lot of questions about the two bomb survivor, but we had the answers.
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) I mean, it's a crazy man deciding to mummify his leg. What answers do you need? Science! You do this every <laughs> any, time, Ellen. Any you can't actually. bring me a science
0: story and not give me the facts.
2: <laughs> there is nothing scientific going on behind this man's brain.
0: Clearly, That's
1: true. That is very true. Because there, there are no answers because none of it makes sense. Okay. So, John, as you remember, he was in the hospital.
2: Because, you know, the leg thing. And they prescribed him some oxy oh <laughs> the leg thing <laughs> that's not gonna help the situation and like many a person prescribed oxycodone he becomes addicted
1: oh uh, god yes, they they sad. That
2: right now and he spends more and more of his money on drugs to the point where he spends the rent money for the
1: storage sh- shed on drugs.
2: No, oh, they're going to auction storage
3: shed.
1: I thought of that as a joke when you're talking about the storage unit. Like I'm the, like, the, no, the, that's
2: the so worst stupid.
3: storage wars <laughs> episode ever. Oh,
2: no. <laughs> the shed is put up for auction. Yeah.
3: <laughs> like, think about that. You're just like, oh, there's a shitty barbecue in there. I guess, like, I'll buy it for like twenty bucks, and then you open, and there's a
0: motherfucking. Leg. You're
3: gonna assume
0: murder. Like, <gasps> oh yeah, only
3: I would be like, I just bought a serial killer storage locker.
2: I found <gasps> a Zodiac killer. Yeah, right. Someone does buy this barbecue oh. grill. Yes. His I mean, technically, name- they buy the storage locker, but yes. <laughs> ah, whatever. His name is Shannon Wisnant. He's a local entrepreneur who wants to become a celebrity.
3: Well, finding a leg at a barbecue. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I'm glad you can see where this is going. So he, you know, discovers a leg in his new barbecue grill. And in the first rational decision in this
3: story, Calls the police. Oh, thank, thank God, God. <laughs> for a second because you said he wanted to be famous. I was like, Is he gonna call like a news station? I was like, Is he gonna call, like, like, is he in Instagram live this Post or something it to the gram? Oh, no, well, no, it's gonna I get worse. Imagine now. what condition this leg is in if the guy tried to skin it first before putting it oh. in the barbecue grill. Did you think about that? And how long has it
1: been in there? Because yeah, like it, it like, takes a while and several missed payments to like for them to finally
2: auction yeah, it off. It's sev-
3: been several months. It's at not least. like a
1: week went by. It's
3: not
2: really? a good time to be a foot in a barbecue grill.
3: My whole soul is like so done with this
0: episode.
2: <laughs> but then Shannon is like, "Oh wait, this is a great way to make some money."
1: <laughs> so
0: he's trying to sell the leg once again no.
1: capitalism is the villain in our story
0: <laughs> capitalism's always the villain <laughs> so
2: you know pt barnum imagine oh, yeah. that
0: oh my god
2: so he starts calling himself the footman. oh
0: <laughs> that's not even creative no. you know what
1: <laughs> we've been spending two years putting a lot of effort into this podcast especially like being punny with our titles but this asshole finds a leg in a barbecue calls himself the footman, and everyone wets themselves fuck him
2: <laughs> yeah he started charging people to go see the barbecue smoker where the foot had been specifically Wait, who wants
0: to see that
1: yeah it's not like someone was murdered in it. Like I, I get like the murder tourism, uh, you know, people are attracted to that. But it's like, you know, this is literally just the grill
0: where <laughs> I where, where found I- a foot. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't even like a murdered person's foot. It was a living guy's foot. Yeah. <laughs> well, they don't know that yet. But anyway,
1: he's
2: like, behold, the foot smoker. He starts making T-shirts that say foot man. Someone get this guy a fucking writer. He gets a writer. Get license
3: plate that says, uh foot smoker. No, why? Really long, light. well, I guess you probably abbreviate F T
1: S M K R. Yeah. we yeah. so
3: like much right worse. There.
2: Why <laughs> is
0: that worse?
3: Well, that
2: is
0: actually
3: worse. And he starts,
2: like, petitioning the police, like, give me back my foot. Like, fuck him. Honestly,
3: it makes what? him sound like a fucking cannibal. Yeah.
2: Dude,
1: seriously. I like, I can have sympathy for, was it John, who was in this horrible accident yeah, and clearly uh-huh. got zero help for his right, and then got trauma? A he was drugs. going through some shit. But this dude is just a fucking prick. I hate him. <laughs> so asking
2: the police for the footback is where things start to go a little bit awry. This
3: made local news. <laughs> that he was asking for the footback? Yes. Okay. You know what, fair. Clearly there is nothing going on in that town. John
2: Wood learns that where his foot went, essentially, so now he would also like his foot back. and there's no way you can give one foot to two people it's not like it's like uh, solomon yeah, and the baby solomon exactly and you can't cut, cut it in, the half. Foot in
3: half it doesn't work that way whoever loves the foot more will not want it cut <laughs> no in see half. depending on how much of like the leg is left one person gets the foot the other person gets like the ankle and the leg
2: <laughs> honestly that seems like that could work they could give oh the God. foot
3: to the shannon
2: foot foot man.
0: Man. i'm having some like weird flashbacks to when i used to work in a cadaver lab <laughs> So much fun.
1: Okay. Um. Why have we never heard about this before?
0: Tell uh, me. Everything. I'm a medical researcher, so it's just like a rite of passage in my life. Oh, What's the weirdest like so thing you found fun. in a body? Is it a foot? well? So we would only get from like below the knee down because we oh. were doing research on ankles. Oh. Oh. So
1: you're this guy,
0: these people's favorite person.
1: Ah. Uh, <laughs> you're the fun and woman. the foot man's favorite person.
0: You know how hard it is to actually get a cadaver foot, though. Like, there's so much paperwork and like you need to have special facilities and it's really difficult to get you should have bought it
2: from a storage shed sam come on man i need to
1: charge more for my foot modeling i didn't know feet were that valuable (laughs) okay so so back
2: to the war of the feet (laughs) (laughs) foot excuse me both men want this foot and shannon wisnet is like yeah i paid for the foot technically he bought it Therefore, it's my foot, and then you know John Wood is reasonably like. Well, I mean, it came off literally. my body. <laughs> my foot. <laughs> <laughs> it's been my foot for the most of my life, so they decide that there's only one way to handle this dispute, and it is exactly as dumb as you think it's gonna be. Bro, paper scissors auction. No, Duel. they go to a. T V court show. Is it Judge Judy? Oh my god. Judge
0: Mathis. Oh, oh, I've actually it's heard of him off him. brand judge. could not even, couldn't even worse. get Judge Judy
1: in on this bullshit. She she read it. She got first did, and she's like, No, I hate everything about this. <laughs> Fuck it. No, I'm better than this. I am Judge Judy, and even I am better than this. I
0: think Judge Judy or Nancy Grace or any of them, they had to go to like the off brand auction. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Nancy Grace, I bet, would
1: have loved this. Oh, I would love to hear Nancy Grace like with her like fun little draw talking about like two men, one foot. (laughs) I can't, I can't do Nancy Grace. That was very offensive. I'm sorry for uh, everyone south of the Mason Dixon line, Ellen. (laughs) Ellen
2: everyone I'm in the Midwest now I can't I'm not offended anymore
3: I know you have to say oh (laughs)
2: oh
1: I'm going to see past you there
2: (laughs) all right so quick timeline this is 2006 so Judge Mathis is like hey
1: Shannon what the hell <laughs> like, why
3: do you care so
1: much <laughs> finally someone needs to call shannon out as bullshit because that's something clearly no one else in his life has
3: done if he got like, this clearly he, he must also not have anyone else in his life like where are his parents or a sibling to be like dude the fuck are you doing this whole story
0: would have been solved if one of them had one close female relative or friend
3: oh yeah right? just someone or if the one guy's brother was a little bit more forceful than just you know that's not a great idea yeah
1: to be fair who among us is prepared to have the brother I don't think it's a healthy idea for you to keep your dismembered foot
3: true try to mummify it I would do that with my brother I'd be at that hospital being like do not give him that foot (laughs) (laughs) so technically
0: I like said something a while back that if I like drugged or like not cool my mom or my sister have to like make all my decisions for me so there's no way i'd get that foot
3: right
2: oh yeah <laughs> sam can i make your medical decisions no I'll my mom made me sign for a form you. that
0: said she could do it <laughs>
1: right. sam i will get you that foot <laughs> then there's gonna be a ginger cat wandering around wisconsin with a foot in its mouth just like
3: <laughs> hanging it's out not on gonna the roof be a good thing <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'll take exactly as good care of your foot as I have of the cat, which means it'll go great. It'll go on the roof. At least better than what's (laughs) happening now. (laughs) Alright. So the judge says that Shannon has to return the leg to John. Good. But he also says that John should like reimburse Shannon $5,000 for the cost of the storage shed.
3: that's how much you bought that storage shed for like to keep how, the what else was smoker there? in there besides the fucking smoker i don't know
0: i feel like since shannon got to keep the smoker he shouldn't get reimbursed for the full amount no. yeah uh,
1: like seriously is that the going rate for a human leg right no now? it's
3: way more how, than that actually. i think it also should be like how much how much money did you make you know showing off the smoker deduct that from the five thousand dollars
1: <laughs> also can i say i made a joke about how much a leg goes for and sam's like oh it's way more than yeah, that oh, yeah, he's like oh let me get out my
0: calculator it is redonkulous one time we needed a torso for something Ooh. that was expensive oh <laughs> you oh could say God. it costs an arm
3: and a leg how <laughs> dare you i love it <laughs> Inner mind, Sam's like, well, let's see. How much would an arm and a leg cost compared to that torso we bought?
1: If we buy in bulk, is there some kind of discount? Yes.
3: (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) You guys have so much information about this. We should just have an episode on that. I was going to say, that needs to be your next episode.
1: Like, I want to hear more about that.
0: Yeah, medical research. One of the few shows of human
2: decency in this entire story. So... John has arrived to court, you know, high on drugs because mm-hmm. he's still going through that. And Judge Mathis is like, hey, man, I'm going to pay for you to go to rehab and you're going to get better.
0: Oh, OK, G- don't awe yet, though, because some of those like judge court like those. Midday shows that, like, do the motions like Dr. Phil and stuff will send people to, like, these really crappy rehabs that, That's like, true. kind of torture them so that they then, like, then relapse and they can have more content from them. Okay, yeah. but John's all right. Okay. He recovers.
2: Okay. He gets, he goes back to work. He gets engaged. So he finally has a
0: female influence in his life. A sensible <laughs> female <laughs> influence. <laughs> I thought that Judge Mathis is better than Dr. Phil. But, oh, Dr. Phil's a Mm. i can go off on it yeah
2: and this has garnered so much media attention that a vet agrees to taxidermy the leg
0: i knew we were gonna get there i'm
3: like why was that not the first option but okay <laughs>
0: why is it still around why and is we... the sensible female influence in his life
3: not helping that listen would have to be so gross by now it's been a few years
2: we're gonna complete this memorial to john's father And they do. I thought you said
3: he got
0: engaged. Where is this woman? She's just like, I'm staying out of the foot thing. (laughs) Get back to that later.
1: How do you bring, like, what number of dates do you start to bring up that you still have possession of your dismembered leg? And you're, you know, I, I don't know. I might get a taxidermy. I'm really not sure what to do with it. Day I have to uh, I, had I to win really it back so. in a t- midday TV court case. Um, I don't know
3: if you saw it. Judge Mathis.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a big deal. That's actually on right on his profile. Like right. was big, on Judge
0: Mathis. Big chicks. <laughs> like you right got to open with that. Because like. You got to find people who are, that's not the deal
3: breaker. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's like, I'm going to tell you this now so that if you're going to run, I don't have to pay for your dinner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that's the thing you sit
0: down and you're like, this is my deal breaker. Let's see if you're willing to deal with it. Yeah.
3: So how do you feel about
0: taxidermy?
1: Oh, well, you know, I had a cat when I was a kid and we had her taxidermy. It actually brought me a lot of comfort. Cool, 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 cool. How feet?
0: <laughs> One time I was on a date and about halfway through, what was it? Decent enough date. The guy just like casually mentioned that he had a doll collection. Run, yeah, and I did an not have a second date. I was like, cool, that's my deal breaker. I'm out. Oh, right, man. and then he's
3: like, do you want to come home with me? And you're like, nah, I'm good. My my my
1: partner's stepmother has a collection of like those Victorian porcelain dolls, Mm-mm. and she's it, it's kind of one of those things. I think they've been passed down from generation to generation and she's at this tricky spot because literally no one in the family wants them <laughs> like she even kind of like casually brought it up in front of me like oh yeah my daughter not you know yeah and you're like and no. i'm like
0: oh yeah i totally understand why not <laughs> so i actually have a bunch of those like victorian porcelain dolls because my grandma passed away when
3: i was like eight and so i was yeah. still willing to take them yeah <laughs> i have one it came in this wooden box i keep it in its wooden box I actually couldn't okay. tell you where in my house it is, but it is in its wooden box well, that in some is because corner.
1: Its location changes no. every time there's a full moon. <gasps> <Ooh. laughs>
3: no. Men
0: are all in just the top shelf of my room in my mom's house and try and forget that they're there. Yeah. Ooh,
2: that's where my creepy dolls are. We're gonna finish this story. <laughs> I'm i am i am so sorry. It's just like there's Ellen's a lot of Ellen's gonna have so rich much fun editing here. this episode. <laughs> Alright, so Shannon is upset about the fact that he lost the leg. I mean, didn't he get the $5,000? Yeah, but it wasn't about the money. It was about the fame. it
3: was fucking about the money.
1: Now his license plate is just stupid.
2: (laughs) No,
3: because it wasn't stupid before. It still makes sense. (laughs) He still has the foot smoker. He's a smoker and a midnight toker without a foot. (laughs) So,
2: he's like, he's still trying to make himself a local celebrity, but it's just not going well. You know, without the foot, like, what's the point? He realizes that the smoker? The smoker's probably cursed, because that's everyone's (laughs) first thought.
0: You know what? Fair.
2: (laughs) And he decides that the only way to lift the curse is to throw it into the ocean.
0: Yes, this is what I want. I think this is like the third rational decision we've had so far. Yes. This is like when I'm listening to a paranormal podcast and I'm like, why didn't they just burn it? (laughs) But he's actually doing the thing.
3: You can't can't burn a smoker. The smoker just wouldn't burn. It's clearly possessed. (laughs) I don't know if I would call throwing a smoker into the ocean a rational decision. (laughs) If you think it's haunted.
2: The ending... It's a happy ending for John Wood. You know, he moves on with his life, moving past this whole foot saga. I mean, he got a
3: taxidermied, so. Yeah.
2: Like, he still has it, but, like, it's no longer an obsession. You know. That's good. However, Shannon's ending is a little less happy.
0: Honestly, I don't feel bad about that. Yeah, yeah. fuck him.
2: He continues to call himself the footman and he's, you know, appearing on podcasts, tries to write a book. Think he'll come you on our podcast. You have have him
3: on your podcast. Yeah.
2: The guy that came up with Footman is like, I'm gonna write a book. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work. No one wanted to buy it. Then you guys have to say nice things about him now so they will come on our podcast. No, 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 he cannot. Yeah, no, no. Oh, did he die? See, well, first in 2014, he's arrested outside nope. of a Wells Fargo for brandishing a gun. I take back what I said. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I don't want him on my podcast anymore.
2: And then in 2016, he dies from obesity. Oh, what?
0: <laughs> well, I didn't see that coming. I don't know Me why. You just didn't. I did not see that coming. Yeah. yeah I,
3: I thought, thought he didn't. was going to get run over by a... Uh, I was gonna, like, get like a Locker truck or something. Like shanked in prison for being obnoxious.
1: He was clearly an unhappy person yeah, who didn't yeah. have a lot going on in his life.
0: So, like, objectively, this is the least amount of work I've put in for an episode of this show, and yet the most emotional labor I've put into an episode <laughs> of the <this> show.
1: <laughs> Can I just say, I'm really glad we started off with the Hiroshima and Nagasaki bombing Yeah, I bombing feel like I
3: followed her with this somber of a story. And ended
1: with... <laughs> The the fight over the over the foot like two men one foot yes
0: <laughs> oh god two bombs one man two men one foot that's absolutely going to be the name of the episode. four girls one it butt. is
1: I'm so glad though that John was able to get the help that he clearly need and that right. no one else it, like it blows my mind the the crash happened in 2004 this isn't like Well, it's the 1800s, and you just do cocaine about your problems. Like it's 2004, and no one offered this guy a psych consult when he asked for his leg back. He actually got his leg back. This
2: is the 2000s. You do oxy about your problems.
0: Yeah.
3: I mean, you're not wrong. Where in the world were they again? I'm I'm assuming somewhere in the United States.
0: Yeah, Ellen, where were they?
3: The sticks.
2: (laughs) North Carolina. I'm sorry. Which is the sticks?
0: Hey, we've been to North Carolina. Yeah, and it was the sticks, Sam. Oh wait, no, we went to South Carolina together. I've been to North Carolina. I don't know where you are in North Carolina. That's what I'm gonna. I've been to Asheville. Okay, this episode's gonna be a bitch. Relent to edit. Leave it all in. Yeah, <laughs> it's all gold. We're under two hours still. It's yeah. fine. Thank you guys for being here and whatever just happened. It was fun. It truly was an experience that I will not soon be forgetting. No. Um, would you like to tell the people where to find you?
1: Yeah. So uh you can find us at whining about herstery wherever you listen to podcasts such as the Chaos Cast, and that's W-I-N-I-N-G, because we drink wine. Get it? Uh-huh. Wink wink better than the fucking footman. <laughs> I'm really, I'm so salty. She's
3: so salty. I refuse. I love it. Oh my God. Sassy
1: and salty. You can also find us on Facebook at Whining About Herstory,
3: Instagram at WAHPAD. Twitter at WAH underscore pod. Our website is Whining About Herstory and our email is Whining About Herstory at gmail.com where we would love to hear from you. Ah, and if you ever are looking for us, and you can
0: find us at Chaos Podcast on Instagram at underscore Chaos Podcast on Twitter. And you can email us at chaospodcast21 at gmail.com. And if you heard a slight pause there, it's because I forgot what our email address was for a second. It happens. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you guys again. And we hope you enjoyed the chaos. Safe travels. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for having
3: hates us. <laughs> family, good pals, buddies, anything but lovers. History hates lovers.